No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. How much suffering can one person endure without sinning? That is the test God permitted in his servant Job. It's an amazing story that is helpful and encouraging to anyone who is suffering. We hope you'll join us now as Pastor Daryl begins the book of Job on Simply the Bible. The Victorian essayist Thomas Carlyle wrote about the book of Job, the grandest book ever written with pen. It is considered perhaps the oldest book of the Bible. Therefore, people have been grappling with its themes for a very long time. In it, we find the story of Job, who was, in every way possible for a human, a good man. Job was just the sort of neighbor you'd love to have. He loved God and he loved people. In fact, it was his goodness that indirectly led to trouble in his life. He became the focus of a cosmic conflict between God and Satan. God declaring Job to be a man of integrity, while Satan accusing him of being a selfish opportunist who only served God because of the benefits. Job experiences in earthly life the results of this heavenly argument. From the beginning, the reader is privy to what is going on behind the scenes in heaven, but Job has no such knowledge. Job, who had known good fortune and favor with God and man, suddenly loses everything, and he doesn't know why. He is like so many of us who, when we experience things suddenly going wrong, we have no idea what's going on or why it's happening. We ask questions, We may even cry out to God in desperate pleas, but we often hear no response. And so we're left to grapple with what we truly believe about God, the world, and ourselves. As much as many people would like to organize life into neat little boxes, to have pat answers for the most painful and disconcerting of life's experiences, the book of Job does not permit us to do that. It deals with the subject of suffering in a way that is altogether real and not so pretty. Therefore, Job is a book for our times. As I share this, we are in the midst of a global pandemic. The coronavirus, which leads to the potential respiratory disease known as COVID-19, has changed everything. People are staying home, practicing social distancing, wearing face masks and gloves. Schools businesses, and churches have shut their doors. Nearly 600,000 in the U.S. have contracted the disease and nearly 25,000 have died. We've been called upon to patiently endure a trial for which we have few answers. Therefore, I hope and pray that as we begin this study of the book of Job, that God will teach us much about how we walk through suffering to get to the other side. One simple lesson from Job is that this too shall pass. After the books of history, Job begins the section of Scripture known as the Poetic Books. Chapters 1, 2, and 42 are prose. The rest of Job is poetry. 
not the kind that rhymes, but Hebrew poetry where thoughts are expressed in poetic ways. Whereas prose is often narrative and objective, poetry gives us a personal take on something. As J.I. Packer points out, poetry communicates not just from head to head, but from heart to heart. Poetry can touch us, move us, and disturb us in ways that prose cannot. It doesn't come to us in tidy bullet points, but as Christopher Ashe says, grapples with our emotions, our wills, and our sensitivities. We shall see that much of what Job and his three friends say are not objective truth with which we can form doctrine, but subjective musings of people who are simply trying to understand and comment on the unknowable. But don't we all do this as we seek to make sense of life? So with that, let us embark on this great adventure, one that will challenge our preconceptions and ultimately point us to the one who suffered a scandal of unjust suffering even worse than Job, and whose innocent life crucified on the cross brings redemption to all mankind. Job chapter 1. There was a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. Although we don't know for certain the time or place in which Job lived, the names are consistent with those we find in the land of Edom, that is, the descendants of Esau. That such a blameless man as Job should be among the Edomites is in itself one of the many puzzling uncertainties we encounter in this book. We are told that Job was blameless and upright, or as the New Living Translation puts it, a man of complete integrity. He feared God and shunned evil. Warren Wiersbe writes, To fear the Lord means to respect who he is, what he says, and what he does. It is not the cringing fear of a slave before a master, but the loving reverence of a child before a father, a respect that leads to obedience. Oswald Chambers said, The remarkable thing about fearing God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. Verse 2. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the east. Job and his wife were blessed with ten children. He was very wealthy, and the indication is that he was highly regarded among the people of the East, like Solomon. People sought out Job's wisdom. And his sons would go and feast in their houses, each on his appointed day, and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. And so Job was also a family man. His children loved to have dinner parties at each other's homes. But Job was concerned about their spiritual welfare. What if one of them had drank too much and cursed God? 
So Job's practice was to offer burnt offerings on behalf of his children to make atonement for them. He was the priest of his family. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. Now, some people think that the devil is confined to hell or earth, but can never enter heaven. The Bible tells us differently. Here he appeared before God with the sons of God, other angelic beings. He had been moving throughout the earth, no doubt scrutinizing and tempting people. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? God asked Satan if he's considered or literally set his heart on Job. And God boasts about Job's exemplary character. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You've blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face." This tells us that God is sovereign over Satan. God sets the limits on what he can do. Therefore, any trouble that the devil may bring your way, know that it's been filtered by God first. John the Apostle tells us in Revelation that Satan is the accuser of the brethren who accuses us before God day and night. And so here we see him doing just that as he accuses Job of only serving God because it was expedient for him personally to do so. In other words, he's accusing Job of being a mercenary. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Therefore, we see that Job becomes the focus of this heavenly experiment. Will Job continue in his integrity if he loses everything? Of course, Job knows nothing of this. Now, there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them when the Sabaeans raided them and took them away. Indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels, and took them away. Yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. And it fell on the young people, and they are dead and I alone have escaped to tell you. 
Now, we may come home from work and say to our wife, wow, what a day, but none of us have experienced a bad day like Job experienced. It was the evil day to the extreme. And it settles the argument forever. Yes, bad things do happen to good people. Then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head. And he fell to the ground and worshipped. He didn't blame God. He didn't let go of his integrity. Even though he lost all his possessions and all his children in a single day, he worshipped God. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job realized that everything he had received had been a gift of God. He started with nothing. He would finish with nothing. He blessed the name of the Lord who had bestowed him with such richness for a time and who had now revoked it. There is not a hint of entitlement in Job's words or actions. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. You can see why God singled Job out for special commendation. As we continue this story, you will grow to love this man who ultimately foreshadows Jesus Christ. Therefore, we see Job pass his first test. There are two to go. You've been listening to Simply the Bible. The Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow, we'll see where Satan appears before God again, saying that Job will curse God if attacked physically. God permits Satan to strike him with painful boils from the bottom of his feet to the top of his head. Can Job pass this test? We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Job on Simply the Bible.